Last week, uh, I talked to us, we talked about uh, the devil as our enemy and really, in many ways, the enemy. And uh, the Bible identifies three enemies for us, the devil being the first one. The second one the Bible identifies is the world. And I want to talk about that today because that is our enemy. But it's also a concept that's more Greek philosophical than the way you and I talk. So we're going to break it down a little bit, right? What does the Bible mean when it says the world is our enemy? They don't mean the globe, right? They don't mean the planet. They don't mean the humans on the planet. When the Bible uses the phrase in the New Testament, particularly Paul, the world, He's using this phrase to express this, right? The mass embrace of values. What is the operating ideology behind the people, a majority of the people around us? What is the operating ideology from which people do things that are not Christian or that might think they're Christian but don't act like them? Like we heard in the first, or second reading. Were you second reading? Yes, second reading. One of the things, and it's funny, I didn't do this in 4 o'clock homily, but my sister Edie's here. And uh, she said something that was so hilarious uh, one time, and it's kind of perfect for this. And it was at my last assignment. One of the churches, uh, of all things, the building, the church was condemned. Like, not by God, you know. Uh, <laughs> I hope. Uh, if so, count that as a failure. Uh, by the city. It was rough. It needed a ton of work. And it, was, it is, I believe, the oldest church in the Diocese of Lansing. And so we went to war. And for seven years, right? New roof, new blah, blah, blah. And when it was all done, uh, my last year there was finally done. People traveled from all over to see it, right? We found out that really ugly red shag carpet through the church. If you ever get a pastor that wants to put red shag carpet, um, you have to kill him. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but just kidding. Anyway, you know what was underneath that? Uh, Greek marble. Yeah. Uh, so beautiful marble sanctuary. We restored the communion rail. We, I mean, we full court pressed this. And when it was done, I was so proud, you know, and I think holy pride, because I didn't raise any of the money, but put the picture up on our parish Facebook page. And the first comment was for somebody, wow, you know, and like, I know. The second comment was, who left a fan in the sanctuary. So I did that thing with your fingers, and oh yeah, way back in the corner, there was a fan. And I didn't know how to explain how weird that was to me. You know, beautiful Italian marble, altar rail, blessed Saturday. And my sister Edie responded, some people see the tabernacle, some people see the fan. Yeah, isn't that it? You know those folks who if you give them a million bucks in a bag, they're like, I don't like that bag. You know, uh, that's the idea, ideology that person operates out of. And there's value to it, right? We need those folks. I think they're called engineers. But they look, <laughs> was that out loud? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I got five in my family. Uh, they look at a, a situation and they go, that could be better. That's lovely. I want to be clear. 
But, you, but they don't really think about it. I'm sure that person didn't think, I'm going to be critical of that picture. It's just the ideology at work in the background. Is this making sense? Okay. When we talk about the world, take that and apply it to morality. And that's what the world is. These mass ideas that all of a sudden we are all called to embrace. And it might even be amorphous to us as to where did this come from? To me, and I don't know if this is just a function of getting older, this is happening all the time. Where all of a sudden, I, I literally say this all the time, did I miss a meeting? Right? We all need to change 2,000 or 4,000 years of thinking on something because an hour ago someone had an idea. It just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. But that's the world. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of looking at things. And it's contrary to the gospel. And how is it that we all get infected with this ideological virus? Well, we listen. We listen. If we immerse ourselves in the world, we're going to get good at being like the world. And so the question for us becomes, what am I listening to? Who am I listening to? The amazing moment in the gospel, right, was when God spoke to the apostles and said, that's my kid. Listen to him. Who are we listening to? What forms our mind and our brains? If we spend 23, what is the average supposedly, something like 23 hours a week, uh, uh, 23, hour, 23 hours a week watching TV, and Jesus gets an hour, Jesus loses. Because our mind is more formed by those 23 hours than one. Now, I think that's good math, right? If I'm more committed, if it's more important to me that my kids perform well athletically or academically, then they become a saint, well then they'll be better academics and athletes than Catholics. There's not a way around that. It's how it works. And I think for most of us, we never made a decision. It's not like we sat down and said, you know, we're going to put athletics and academics first and Jesus in seventh place. But that's what the world is. It's the stuff we don't think about. We just do. So this is an enemy. Because what it does is eventually indoctrinates us into a way of thinking that kills our souls. The, I don't know if you remember last week, the devil doesn't like you. He wants you damaged. He wants you wounded. That's his food. And this is his voice. The world. And like the devil, when we talked about him last week, remember how we said we, he never starts with a bad. He starts with a good. And I've noticed in our culture, because that's the only one I know well, it always comes down to the word love. And for us Catholics, love is the most important word, by far. We were created by love, for love, to love. That's why we exist. So what does the world do? It takes that beautiful word love and waters it down until it means nothing. It tells us that to love means we just always accept everything. And if you're a parent, you know that doesn't work. Try it with your kids. You won't have them for very long. 
Love says, don't. That's bad for you. This is key to the whole thing as the word love. I always say if I ever had time to write a catechesis, right, for K through 12, it would all be about the word love. And some people might hear that and think, well, that sounds kind of soft. That's because we've bought the world's definition of love. Love means I will act in your best interest even if you hate me for it. Right, moms and dads? I'll never forget, 17 years old, and I knew everything, so it was weird that I was arguing with my parents. Yeah, and my mom said, I love you enough to risk losing this relationship. I didn't want to hear that, but I needed to. We need to ask God in Lent to help us realize how often, unintentionally, we set up our camp in the enemy's camp. And we said, well, this, I, I'm not even going to think about it. This is just what I do. You and I are going to start thinking about it. Why do I do what I do? Why do I make the decisions I make? What is the underlying assumption of everything I do? And what it needs to be is this. I will follow Christ. And I'm not going to say if it takes me to the cross, okay? I'm telling you it will take you to the cross. But the cross is the only way to the resurrection I checked. And the cross ultimately saves. Because what does it put to death? That which kills us. For us, it comes down to a simple concept, I think. And it's in our prayers over and over and over in our Lenten season. Listen for it. You'll hear it. That the world's greatest temptation is for you and I to invest everything in the shortest part of our existence. We are eternal. And the world wants us to spend all of our emotional, spiritual energy and strength on the 80 to 90 year span that we call existence here. But there's an eternity waiting. And all of this is to set us up for that. And St. Teresa put it this way. She said, when we get to heaven, the whole time on earth will seem like an inconvenient night in a bad hotel. It'll be such a tiny part of our existence. Invest yourself in the eternal. That's what matters. Enjoy the temporal. That's what it's here for. But the world is always going to tell us to give up the eternal for the temporal. And Jesus said it best. Surprise, he's good at this. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? So this week, let's make that our challenge, huh? Let's pray and ask Jesus, where have I bought the lie? I didn't mean it. I didn't even think about it. But now I'm going to. Let's ask Jesus to help us figure out where have I invested everything in the temporal at the sake of the eternal? And how am I going to let Jesus heal that? This is about freedom. This isn't about fear and anger. This is about freedom. More than you want anything, he wants you free. And this is the next step. 
Last week, we renounce Satan and all his works and all his empty show. This week, we go to war in our minds and hearts, and we give them back to the only being that will treasure them, God. Take my mind. Take my heart. Heal me of the lies and the deception, and help me to remember the reason I'm alive, to be a saint. Amen? Amen. Okay.